In today's Live Treasured podcast, when shame triggers a consistent need to defend yourself. Hey there, Treasure Tribe. I'm Eileen Thompson, founder of Treasured Ministries, and welcome to the Live Treasured Podcast. Hey, we are right at the halfway point today, episode five in our summer podcast series called Shift Your Lips. And I don't know about you, but you know, just in the preparation for this and in the inside of the Treasure Tribe, uh, we have a discussion forum going on this, and it's really been impactful in me to bring awareness to some bad habits that were automatic and to go to the Lord, not to use my grit, but to go to his grace to make a difference. And today um, is a call to you and me to walk in victory over those seeds of shame that the enemy has planted inside of our life. And that's what I'm going to be talking to you about today. Now, the number five tip in the shift your lips is to stop defending yourself and rest in your identity in Christ. And if you downloaded our 10 tips to tame your lips, which if you haven't, you can go to treasuredministries.com forward slash lips and get your free copy. But inside of that verbiage, what I said was, this is a hard one for me. And it is. I often feel this need to explain myself. You know, in episode two, we talked about that consistent need to say that you're sorry. I'm sorry for being so late. And and a lot of times the I'm sorry for being oh late, so late, but I was blah, 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 blah. It's followed by this explanation really explaining why, Um, this justification. And a lot of times I feel, you know, just this constant need to justify why I'm doing what I'm doing to others and, and even myself. And oftentimes, you know, I will, um, you know, just when somebody criticizes me, and it can even be coming from a very loving place, a lot of times it will trigger, you know, these my back will get up sometimes and, you know, when I kind of feel like maybe I need to prove myself. Um, I think sometimes one of the reasons why I don't engage in a lot of political discussion is because I know that sometimes, you know, I can go over into the realm of wanting to, you know, to prove my point to others or, or needing other people to, uh, to to validate me. And so, so I just say this in all authenticity and honesty to say that if you you know, do any of those things. If you are uh, not just, you know, shun away any cr- uh, criticism, if if you feel like you always need to consistently justify what you're doing, if, if somebody comes and attacks you, you know, and you respond in a very defensive way, um, that, well, we might have a lot in common, right? Um, and so, so with this, I said, Lord, you know, I want to get to the bottom of this because I want to understand why this happens um, inside of my life. Now, I don't mean to say for one minute that you should never defend yourself. You know, we never operate 
in those 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 swings of legalism or or inner vows, like where we're aware of something and then we just say, "Well, I'm never going to do that again," right? And that's really like trying to use your grit and instead of grace. So we never want to get there. And there are places and times, uh, you know, when we need to do that, but. Look in the Bible and look at how when uh, others attacked Jesus, how he just always handled them, you know, with the Pharisees. And I started looking at those, and so many times he was never defensive. He redirected the conversation, and um, and he just diffused it. And, you know, and I always say to myself, wow, I wish I could just be able to know what to say, you know, inside of that moment. And and what God showed me this week is that a lot of times, you know, I'm not. And the reason why I'm not is because there's something that's triggered inside of me, which causes me to react in, instead of respond. There's there's something that allows me to just, you know, kind of jump to emotions. Um, and, and really, that need to explain and justify myself, that's just automatic, right? Like if I am sending an email and I say, I'm so sorry, I haven't gotten back with you. And we've, we've already talked about, you know, the I'm sorry's in episode two. So you can go back to that. But then maybe I'll spend another, you know, paragraph talking about why I didn't. And really what God showed me is, you know, that I'm trying to manage other people's perceptions of me. And that really getting defensive um, or responding, you know, to an attack in a defensive way is really about what other people think about me. And that I want to be thought of as good. And God showed me that, you know, inside of my own life, and I'm just telling you, I'm just being honest with you, that there's a deep root of shame. You know, when you walk with the Lord, it's like unpeeling layer after layer after layer. And God has used this particular one to point out to me, there's still a root of shame in your life and it's time to pull it up. And here's what I want to say to you um, today, that the need to overly defend yourself oftentimes will flow from an undercurrent of shame at your subconscious level that is speaking this lie to your heart, you are not good enough. Now, my coping mechanism of codependency, what that was for me is that, you know, I needed to be good. And so any time with that, you know, that, and that's how you, that's how I solved my shame. And so then if that's the case, then criticism, or if I'm late needing to explain myself away or justify, or if I'm setting a boundary, you know, um, even in my own life, you know, COVID gave me um, a reason to set boundaries. And it was great because with some unhealthy people, I was able to establish those boundaries. But now that we're getting out of COVID, you know, that need to justify has seeped back in. Why? Because it's that managing and wanting other people's perceptions of me to be good. And really, what is that? That's idolatry, right? I'm more concerned about what man thinks about me. I'm allowing his judgment to rule over me. First Corinthians 4, 3 and 4, Paul says this, As for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority, 
I don't even put my trust in my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It is the Lord himself will ex- who will examine me and, and decide. And so see, there we see that Paul was saying, God is my judge, right? But if we have this undercurrent of shame within us, it's like you carry it around with you. And the current is there, but it's at a subconscious level. And so you're not really aware of it. It would be like if you stepped inside of a river or just somebody of moving water, and it was just moving slowly. And you stayed there for so long that you didn't really recognize that there was a current anymore. But let's say a wave comes up. A wave sort of magnifies the current uh, inside, and it kind of triggers the motion uh, in a deeper way inside of the water. And so if you have that underlying subconscious metal message, you are not good enough, then when somebody comes to give you criticism, it could be constructive, good hearted criticism, you might get your back up. When you um, ask, when you're making a decision, when you tell people no, you've got to justify why you're doing it because you want to appear good in front of that person when somebody else has a different belief than you you want to fight right you want to try to prove yourself or you know for me I know that the way that I fought against that shame inside of my life but was by proving myself through success and it was through everything I had to be the best mom I had to be the perfect this I had to be the perfect that and when you have those expectations in your life you know on the days where you knock it out of the park you do feel good about yourself because that's where you're getting your worth and value but on the days that you don't there's that shame in place and all those coping mechanisms all that fighting all that proving you know, uh, to myself that I was good enough that put me on this weary, worn out path that praise God he has delivered me from. But all of that was to counteract the shame. And it's a little bit like standing inside of the river and trying to stop a current. Like it's it's not going to happen. You know, I mean, you might be able to build like some rocks in there. I, you know, I don't know, but you're, you're not going to be able to stop the current. And here's the word of encouragement that God has given me to share with you today. God has said, I don't want you to fight the current. I want you to walk on water. You see, there's some of us who are listening today and you've walked through an experience a relationship where there was trauma and it could have been infidelity. It could have been uh, what the deep betrayal of pornography from your husband. It could be uh, from a mother that just didn't have the ability to love you. And worse yet, maybe there was somebody else in the family that was the favorite and that wasn't you. And so it wasn't that she didn't love everybody. She saw you saw her pouring out her love to somebody else, but not to you. Perhaps it was a father that told you you were selfish, that told you you would never amount to anything. And see, when those words are said over us, they carry power. In episode one, we talked about uh, biblically how um, the Lord gives us many verses that tell us that words carry power. The words that we say over others 
you know, God cautions us with that. The words, you know, he talks about the tongue being like a rudder in James chapter three. You can go back and listen to the introduction message if, if you want more on that, but words carry power. And the truth about it is, is that there's many scientists today that agree that words even impact us on a cellular level. There's been uh, studies done, in particular, there's one Japanese scientist, and in the 1990s, he, um, he did a lot of studies on this, um, how, how words impact us. Um, and so, and the Japanese scientist, his last name is Emoto, E-M-O-T-O. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, but basically it says this, um, that when water uh, that's free from all impurities um, is frozen, it will form beautiful ice crystals that look exactly like snowflakes. Uh, when water has pollutions or has additives like fluoride will freeze, um, it will freeze without forming crystals. And so what Emoto did is he took pure water and he poured them into different vials. And on one vials, there were phrases like, I hate you or fear. Um, and after 24 hours, the water was frozen and no crystallized under the microscope. Uh, it yielded gray mishap clumps instead of the beautiful crystals, okay? And in contrast, he placed, he took other vials and he placed labels on them that said things like, I love you and peace. Uh, and these words were spoken, right, over the water, okay? And they produced, and, and oh, and the vials of water that had these labels on them, they had polluted water in them. Um, but after 24 hours, it says that they produce gleaming and perfectly hexagonal crystals. And so what his um, experiment proved, right, on a cellular level, is that words impact your life. They impact your life. And so that's why, and I love it when science backs up the Bible, that's why God has a lot to say about the words that were spoken over you. And some of you listening today, you've had um, uh, words spoken over you that have given you this drumbeat deep within your subconscious of, of shame. Because what happens is the you are, right? And the you are, and it doesn't even really have to be words. It can be how somebody treats us. That can deliver a message, a lie into our hearts. But when a uh, another person treats us this way, the you are becomes the I am. And so this thought of I am not good enough. While you might look perfect on the outside and have it all together, in fact, that might be some of your coping mechanism, there's this current underneath that runs that says, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And even though you came to Christ and surrendered your life to him, while your spirit is completely reborn and renewed that old programming tape, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. It's still there. And so you're walking inside of a world not ruled 
by your heavenly father, but ruled by that person that hurt you. Now, you might be saying to yourself, you know, I drew a boundary with that person. I'm no longer there. I'm no longer living at home. I'm no longer, whatever it may be, or my husband has changed. She's come back to me and he's changed, but still you get angry quickly. You get defensive quickly. And the reason is, is because that program is deeply embedded within you. And so can you see how, uh, for me, can you see how if I deep within the resources of my soul believe that I am not good enough, I might get a little defensive when you bring me criticism. And when somebody attacks me, the way that I'm going to respond is to get very defensive back instead of knowing who I am in Christ and resting in that. And it's like I'm walking not in the realm of faith, but in a realm ruled by a person. And here's what I want to say to you. It's not your fault. It's not your fault that it happened. It's not your fault that you faced that trauma. It's not your fault that what you're going through now is so hard. But it is your responsibility to rise up over this. And you know, sometimes I think my defensive mechanism in responding is just that little girl in me that is fighting and saying, you know, what you said hurt, right? And that's not true. And God says, I don't want you to fight anymore. I don't want you to fight the current. I want you to walk on water. Because see, here's what happens. That I'm not good enough produces (laughs) some really awful feelings like shame. Shame is so painful. And shame leads to that self-defeating behavior, the self-deprecation that we talked about in episode one. And, you know, the need to prove ourselves, that need to work hard to manage the perceptions of others. And saddest of all, self-sabotaging what God wants to give you. Because guilt or fear continues to pull you back and tell you you're not good enough. You're not good enough. And then the saddest, saddest part about this is that the outcome of, you know, uh, not uh, pushing past that lie, the outcome of it is behavior that reinforces that lie, that seed from the enemy that he's planted deep into your soul. And it's time today for the treasure tribe (laughs) to stand up together and to fight, but not fight by being defensive. Fight by rising up and letting our world be ruled by who God says that we are. Are you in the middle of making a decision and you feel like you have to justify it over and over again. And every time you get close to setting a boundary or maybe pulling back from something that, that God wants you to pull back from and you tell yourself you're going to do it, there's something that makes you stop. Could it perhaps be that drumbeat that's deep within your soul that's saying, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. Well, today, 
while we say it's not our fault, we are going to take active steps to stand by reaching out our hand to Jesus and by keeping our eyes on him. And see, here's what happens. The more that we do it, the more that becomes our reality. Now, in the realm of faith, our goodness, our worth is not determined by what we do. It's all determined by what God has done. And Jesus is right there, and he's asking us to walk in it. And when you do that, it will, it will feel so uncomfortable, right? I mean, like, it, like when you, you know, somebody says something and you're refraining from not defending yourself, it's going to feel very weird. And God is saying, you walk in that because this is your birthright. And in order to do that, you're going to need to remember the three R's, and it is recognize rest and rise. The first one is to recognize. Recognize the trigger. Recognize that when you're getting ready to have a breakthrough in my own life right now, you know, there was uh, something that our family prayed for um, and we've prayed for it for one year. God, it was in my prayer circles. Those of you that had the nourish notebook and God answered that prayer And when I prayed for this, I was like, there's no way, you know, but anyway, God answered that prayer and he answered it in such a big way that we're like, we can't believe that God did this. And there's a part of me, um, the, you know, the person in my life that hurt me, there's some guilt messages going on and the guilt is preventing me from enjoying this blessing. And through preparing this message, I see how that message of shame can self-sabotage you pushing through. And perhaps it is there is an area in your life and you're ready to push through, but there are people that want to hold you back. Or perhaps it is, right, that that um, that you're responding in a defensive way to somebody that, you know, continues to pick at you. And so when that happens, we need to recognize why we're being triggered, and remember the real root. And the real root is that lie. That lie that Jesus completely canceled upon the cross. That lie of you are not good enough. But although we've come to Christ, now we have to surrender and, and to live under it. So the first thing is to recognize the trigger. And I mean, really think about every little thing. Like even when you're crafting emails or, you know, if you're being called to set a boundary and and you just feel like you have to just have this big reason to justify your actions, go back and just say to yourself, you know what, is there a root of shame here? Do I really want this person to think good of me? Do I feel like a bad person for saying no? And there's a root uh, of shame there. And so the first thing is to just recognize the trigger, right? Because because if we don't recognize it, then we'll respond. We will respond in, in a wrong way. But if we understand the real root, then it can bring us to step two, which is to rest under God's cover and to respond and not react. So when that need to defend yourself comes at you when it's that natural inclination, right, to protect yourself. And of course it is, like especially if somebody's attacking you like in a shameful bad way, right? But when you do this, it often, it doesn't work. 
and it invites other jabs and attack. And so we must stop and wait and not react. We must wait upon the Lord. When you react, you're giving in to those feelings of shame. You're showering that seed the enemy has planted with with water. And so we want to stop and rest. Isaiah 30, 15, and 16 says this. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength. But you would have none out of it. You said, no, we will get our help from Egypt. They will give us swift horses for riding into battle. But the only swiftness you are going to see is the swiftness of your enemies chasing after you. You know, so many times when I get defensive with somebody, maybe in the heat of the moment, I might feel good about it. But then afterwards, I don't feel good at all. I don't feel good at all. And, you know, our need to defend ourselves. And in this scripture, you know, they were going after Egypt as, as their strength. And God says, see me as your strength. And when we're working so hard to justify and to manage other people's perceptions of us to a point where it's become idolatrous, it's like we are being self-reliant, right? self-reliant and and just taking, instead of resting in our identity in Christ, we're trying to defend it. And you know, rightly so, rightly so, because those old shame messages, you treasured one that were talked over you, that have taken root inside of you, that are not your fault, it shifted your identity. And perhaps it was, maybe it was that you had a parent And the parent always, you know, your feelings, none of it mattered. And so you learn to not express your needs and to put your needs on the shelf or whatever. And so, so anytime you do anything like that, anytime you ask for, you feel like you have to justify it. So many women don't rest and we feel guilty about it. And we feel like we have to justify why we say no to people, right? And could it perhaps be that it's tied to that subconscious shame message? And so so we must rest. And sometimes one of the ways that we can rest, like if somebody is, and you might be saying, well, what if it's not an email? Like what if it's somebody that's, you know, really being ugly and coming against me? And, you know, it's just saying all these things that I don't want to, you know, affirm or agree with. And sometimes one of the best responses that you can do to get yourself to a place of rest and to just sort of hit the pause button and not react, right, is non-defensive communication. And I'm going to give you just some some one-liners and really, I mean, this stuff works. It really works. It helps to just diffuse things and, you know, turn things around. Because, you know, when we react, especially if somebody is coming and just really attacking, you know, I'm not talking about like constructive criticism, but if somebody comes and attacks you and you naturally get defensive, what usually happens, the result of that is this ping pong thing. Like, well, they will keep attacking and you get defensive and they get attack and defensive and attack and it just escalates and it never goes anywhere. What if, you didn't respond emotionally, you didn't take the bait, and you said things like, really? Or, I see. 
or I understand, or wow, that's interesting, or let me think about that, or that's your choice, or I am sure that you see it that way, or you're certainly a title to your opinion, or let's talk about this when you get calmer, or you know what, guilt trips no longer work on me. Or yelling and threatening aren't going to solve anything when it gets, when somebody's like really out of hand. But that is a way where you can give yourself space to rest and to pull back and to get God's perspective. But the next thing is, is that you must rise. You must rise. And you must rise to live in a territory that is ruled by the Lord Jesus and not by the world or this person. And you've got to see it that way. You all, I know, are familiar with the story in the Bible of when Peter walks on water, and it says, says, so Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? And, you know, sometimes I think um, that we want the wave to go away. We want the current to go away. And Jesus is saying, why don't you just walk on water? Why don't you just believe that what I say about you is true? Because I've died for you. And now your identity rests in me. You know, being defensive, that's kind of like fighting against the current, right? Trying to prove myself. It's like consistently like chasing after and trying to prove myself when Jesus says, just come, Eileen, and just walk on the water. If somebody's attacking you verbally or, and you know what? Sometimes the attacks come in these passive aggressive underlying comments. What if we were to rise then? Not react, but rise and not step into the current and do the ping pong thing or certainly not accept those words as truth and fall into self-pity or more shame. But what if we rose above and said, you know what? Jesus is calling me to walk on the water. And we keep our eyes on him. And if the waves come, the wave of rejection or the wave of attack, we keep our eyes on him because God is not only your validator, he is your vindicator. And Jesus says, you don't have to fight. You just need to trust me. In the book of Acts chapter 3, I will never forget. Um, I taught this, I uh, used to do a Facebook live every week, and I, I taught on this passage about having your breakthrough to victory. And it just so impacted me um, because I was walking through a circumstance, and I'll, I'll go into that in a minute, but I want to read to you inside of this passage. The entire story is in Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 9, but it's the story of when uh, Peter uh, and John went to the temple um, to take part in the prayer service. And when they came to the temple, there was a lame man from birth uh, that was 
is carried in each day, that each day um, these people brought him into the temple gate, uh, the one called the beautiful gate, it says, so he could beg for the people going into the temple. And so when he saw Peter and John, this man asked Peter and John for money. So he asked them for money. And verse four, it says, Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. What I want you to see, uh, I'm going to break there real quickly to say that this man was asking for money. And you know, sometimes inside of our life, like we're asking for that Thing, that solution that is going to take away, we believe is going to take away our shame. It could be success. It could be, you know, just, just whatever it is. It could be, you know, I want to, this person to stop this person uh, from, um, you know, uh, just uh, attacking me. But this man, he, he was lame, right? He had a, um, he had a injury in his life physically. Well, the shame injury that I'm talking about to you, where you have it at a subconscious level, it's like a soul injury that you're carrying around. And it makes you dependent upon other people to get what you need. This man was dependent upon other people giving his money. This man was dependent upon, it said that there were people that carried him in and out of the gate. I heard one sermon on this where um, the, the guy that preached it said that it's very possible that these men that carried him in every day, that the lame man had to pay for that. And see, when you're carrying around that root of shame inside of your life that's telling you this lie that you're not good enough, a lot of times we might sell our souls to get what we think we need, right? Depending upon other people. And so he asked Peter and John for money, but Peter and John didn't have that to give to them. And a lot of times people don't even have you know, what to, to give to us, what we're looking for, for, for them to, to give to us. But Peter and John pointed him to the Lord Jesus because, see, God did not just want to answer his request of money. He wanted to heal him deep within. And I believe with everything in me, that this blessing that God has brought into our family's life and the just reluctance I have to enjoy it. It sounds even just so peculiar and crazy when I say it to you, is my opportunity to rise and to believe. And see, sometimes we don't get the acceptance from others because God wants us to find acceptance from him. We don't get the provision because God wants us to experience a greater miracle. Could it perhaps be that God doesn't want to heal you today of a physical limp, but of the shame limp? And so it says, Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. 
and as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened, and he jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. And that's what it is. And see, first we've got to walk. And I remember studying this passage and, you know, hearing the Lord say to me, Eileen, I've already died to give you a new identity. You just need to walk in it. And for years, people have taken advantage of your shame limp, right? And you're pleasing and you're always saying yes and you're never being able to set boundaries and it's time to stop. And you don't have to get defensive anymore and you don't have to justify why you're doing what you're doing because as long as you follow me, that's all that it is. Now get up and walk. And you don't have to listen to that message anymore because I've taken it on the cross. And the day that you became my child, you stand under my words and my truth. And I say, stop fighting the current, sweet girl, and get up and walk. And so then it says, he jumped up. And he stood on his feet and began to walk. And then it says, then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. See, first, we've got to take those first baby steps and walk. And every time we do, it's a victory. And then we won't just be walking. We'll be leaping and running and then praising God. You got to start somewhere. You got to start by walking. And so the next time you feel like you need to justify something or get defensive, I want you to remember the three R's and say, This is my opportunity to walk. And it'll get easier and easier and easier. And then you won't just be walking, you'll be leaping and you'll be running. And no more. Will that shame message have control over you? And just like that lame man, he was no longer dependent on those people to bring him into the temple gate. It says that he was praising God. And see, when you no longer need people to validate you, when you no longer need to prove yourself to others, when you can stop pleasing others or not respond to these feelings of guilt, that is a place of freedom. And see, we need to be free. Why? So that there is nothing or or anyone in this world that has a hold on us but the Lord Jesus Christ. And what God showed me is that there's somebody in my life that hurt me And it's been ruling over me. And through this message, God has released me. And I'm excited that I don't have to play that game anymore. And I don't have to fight anymore. Because the current is underneath my feet. When I have my faith in the Lord Jesus, that's when I walk on water.
our scripture this this week for you to follow up and read is Ephesians chapter 1. It to me there is no more richer chapter in the Bible than Ephesians chapter 1. It is stocked full of who you are in Christ. And so I'd love for you to just take this week and just read those scriptures. Um, And then I want to also invite you this week to download, uh, we've got a free resource on our website called God's Love Letter. And it's something that I wrote and I took all the scriptures from Ephesians chapter 1 and some from Ephesians chapter 2 and and um, and prayerfully just pulled this love letter together. And, you know, sometimes we just need to remember about God's love. And so if you'd like a copy of that, you can go to treasuredministries.com forward slash God's love letter, or you can go to our website, find our free resources, and it's lifted under listed under there, um, and you can read that. But in closing today, um, I just want to read it to you, and I, I just want you to take a moment and um, and just quiet your your heart and uh, and just um, listen to these words and embrace who God says you are. Before you were born, I loved you, and loving you brought me great joy. In fact. I loved you so much that I gave my son so you could be completely free to love me. Nothing you have done or will ever do could ever take away my love from you. And so you and I can have a relationship with no barriers, no pretending. You cannot lose me. Not even death can separate us. I am a good father, the perfect father. Do not look for an earthly father as an example of me. There is only one God, and I am He. You can trust my love for you because I am not only loving, I am love. Not just any love, but agape love. Perfect. Unconditional. You belong. You are a part of a family. You are never alone. Not today, not ever. You have complete security in me. I am always here for you if you need to talk to me. I hope you will get to know me better and understand more every day about the depths of my love for you. And I am also the master planner. You don't have to worry about your future. And sometimes I'm the mysterious planner. My ways are so much higher than yours. It is in the mystery of not knowing the full blueprints that you have to use your faith to continue seeking me, which is the best place for you to be. Just trust and follow me. I am full of wisdom. You can be completely confident in that still small voice which is leading you. Don't worry about tomorrow, for I will always work everything out according to my plan and the plans that I have for you are to prosper you and not to harm you they are to give you a hope for the future and when this broken world gets hard and bruises your soul remember that I have prepared a place for you in eternity 
and you have an inheritance beyond your comprehension. So when life gets hard, look up, find hope, and live differently. The peace the Holy Spirit will bring you amidst any storm is like a holy thread connecting you to heaven. Let it remind you that I am with you and will never leave you. I am here as your Father to help you through whatever you face. In the midst of life's pressures, pause and enjoy the presence of my Holy Spirit and taste what is yet to come. The Bible is my love letter to you. Let me reveal truth and write words on your heart to nourish your soul. Most of all, I want you to understand that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same that caused the Red Sea to split, is the power that lives inside you. So plug into this power simply by pulling away from the chaos and into my presence. Don't use your faith just to survive, my child. Use it to surrender, and you will find my power is all you need. So remember, you are loved, you are accepted, you are a part of a family, you are my masterpiece, so stand tall and rise up. See your very weakness as a doorway to depend on me. I love you. I am for you. Follow me and find the rest your soul has been waiting for. Thanks so much for listening in today. And again, you can get a copy of that by going to our website, um, read Ephesians 1 this week, and I'll see you next week for episode six. Hey, if you're enjoying this summer series, something that would help us out tremendously is to go to iTunes and rate our podcast. That helps to expand the Live Treasured podcast so that we can reach more women with the healing, transforming power of those timeless biblical truths found inside of God's word. Have a great day and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.